Hey, this is Taylor. This is Jake. And this is Dan. And this is Unicorn Finders, where we are on the search to eliminate the elusive unicorn factor in everyday people, businesses, and relationships. Hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Unicorn Finders. This week, where obviously we are on the quest to illuminate the elusive unicorn factor in both business and relationships. I cannot believe I just recited that from memory. I can tell we've done this enough now. Um, so I'm really, say what? It's happening. Yeah, it's happening. So I'm really excited today, first off, uh, to, to have a fellow Nashvillian um, on the pod, um, but also somebody who I've been admiring and watching from afar, um, mainly on Twitter. Um, but Jerome Hardaway is joining us Woo. from South Nashville. Jerome, thanks for joining, man. I appreciate it. Roger that, man. Thanks for inviting me. And it's always weird that we say, like, Nashvilleian, like... It sounds like we're... A, uh, villains, like we're bad guys, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't... We're, That'd be we're a good very, name for, a uh, like, a sports team. I yes. know. Nashvillians. Wow. name. That yes, is a good name. Nashville. I'm not that clever. Yeah. So, so... I, I, I'm about to get that domain. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna stop. We get the domain. I'm gonna do like, I feel like, yeah, like, I feel like there's a good like. I don't know. I feel like I do something geeky with that shit though. Like, I, mean, yep. so, I love yeah. it. I love it. So um, again, I'm joined by my dear friends Jake Shepard and Raleigh and Daniel the Man Thompson as his Zoom uh, list out from sunny Tampa, Florida. Dan, what's the weather like in Florida today? Hot. It is hot. very hot. In the 90s, probably in the 90s, but there's no rain today, which is good. You know, praise the good Lord. I love it. I love it. So, so Jerome, I, I, without further ado, I definitely want to give the six listeners um, a background about yourself um, and kind of what you've been up to over the last few years. So take it away, ma'am. Yeah, so uh, the 50,000 foot overview of me is uh, I have been and out here, I was, uh, sorry, go further back to four score seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> I was security forces, U.S. Air Force, now in the military, wow. came back home to the apex of the recession, saw that there was no, um, like, I wasn't getting any real, any job offers, so mm-hmm. I taught myself how to write a uh, sequel, got my first job, Department of Homeland Security, moved to Memphis, uh, got a job as, uh, as a data marketing admin, teaching myself how to code the whole time and end up starting Betsu code and teaching veterans how to write, write code and end up getting, and I've been getting jobs and helping veterans get jobs since around 2014. Um, I've helped uh, since then, like 2014 and 2020. So, you know, that's where we're in. Um, I've helped 252 veterans. No way. Uh, Yeah. Yep, 252 veterans in 37 states get jobs in tech as software engineers. Uh, totaling my social impact has been around 17.6 million. Um, and I've done this all remote from my home. So, yeah. Um, and that concludes today's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, dude, that's so awesome, Jerome. So, so, I, so I'm kind of, um, first off, talk, talk me through kind of the transition from obviously coming out of the military and obviously kind of getting into coding. Like, like what prompted you, what drove you to, to get into coding aside money. from the economy crash? Yeah, money. That's what like, I was looking around and seeing everyone like who was doing um, 
okay in business or financially and they were all in tech like the tech you know the, we talk about the dot-com boom and how horrible it was uh, the dot-com boom was like oh your multimillionaire became a single millionaire right right you know, you know it wasn't like elon Musk talking about how devastating it was like you were just baby rich you went from rich rich to baby rich like shut up dude like like people are losing <laughs> like people are losing their like in the recession people are losing their homes and shit this dude you're like oh i'm, I'm on work two million dollars now wow. i'm like shut up i don't hear it so like that's yeah, so i was like you know what tech might be for like tech might be for me like and software engineering i saw how it was like hey you don't have to like actually have a degree in this stuff it's also is really skill based like you can go either skill based or you can go academia route I don't, I don't have time for academia route i need money now so i started like pushing towards like learning as much as i could when i could when i was free so wow. um like that was it the only real decision was like i wanted a comparable lifestyle to what i had while in the military outside and i think i did that in spades now but like uh, that was the only thing that pushed me. Like, I didn't want to, you know, poverty is real. You don't want to go in and like fight for your country and then come Yeah. So thank you for your service. But we have no jobs for you because that like totally sucked. So, wow. yeah. I, I think too, and just a, just a side note, uh, is that I think that's what makes software development so cool. And it, it's, it's frictionless for the most part. Right. I mean, I think, I think getting your first job in software development is hard, right? Obviously, you know, that's um, the hardest part. Like yep. getting, like getting your first job in tech is going to be, is the hardest part. But once you get your first job, it's especially if you're doing it the way, the right way, like, your next job is going to be easier. Your next job is going to be easier. Like your first job is always the hardest because that's where you, you know, you have to really prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, but you know, between your first job and like trying to get a big boy fame, good job. <laughs> every job after like all the jobs in the middle are going to be a breeze compared to your first job and like a Facebook. Or no, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you, why, why do you think, and again, right, we're, we're going a lot, not off topic, but kind of changing a little bit. Why do you think it's so difficult? You think it's a company mindset and Jake, Dan, I'm interested to hear y'all's thoughts too, from a junior uh, coding, from a junior development perspective in y'all's markets. Like, why do you think Jerome, it's so difficult to land your first job? Mm. Uh, because of the financial invest one i'm gonna go ahead and just be honest and if you're a company on here i don't care you can at me companies are lazy uh oh, they don't yeah they don't want to train people they don't want to do any of the work to cultivate their talent so they want you to have 80 percent of everything they need and they'll you know they'll focus like if you have 78 percent of what they need they'll work for the other 30 percent right yeah so true like they're lazy, right? That's why. Get 50, 50. Come on, people. Yeah, no. Yeah. Nah, nah. Like they're lazy. Like that's strike one. Is that companies are lazy, um, and they don't understand that you know those people they're going to be pouring that you know have the 50-50, right? And they have poured into the other fifty percent. Those are the people that are going to stay with you five years. If I come on with I only need twenty percent of your skills, you're definitely going to lose me too because I don't need you like that, right? I only need like one or two things that you have, and I can go over here and do less or equal to what I'm doing over here and get paid ten to twelve thousand dollars more. So why so would I stay with you longer? But that person that you took a shot on that had fifty percent of what you needed, 
like, oh, that person is going to be with you half a decade max, right? That graphic designer who might be interested in code is yeah. going to stick. It's going to stick with you, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, that's the biggest issue. And juniors, like, juniors don't learn. Like, juniors don't know how to sell is another issue. And uh, throw some more shots. Uh, recruiters only go for the strongest developers not trying to cultivate that talent out the gate like that's yep. one thing like juniors don't know how to sell themselves but recruiters are you know all trying to get me right so it's like but like if you start working with a guy like me before i become a guy like me it's a lot yeah. easier right darren matthew right i think he's a makeup guy yeah like, yeah you know he's the only recruiter in nashville that i mess with right he like if you're a nashville recruiter and you come to me for any type of job, I'm gonna be like, you know, you're wasting your time. Like they hit me up on yeah. LinkedIn, I won't even like them. I'm like, you know, X, like, you know, Darren Matthew, when I first moved here, he was trying to work with me from the gate two, three years ago. So I'm yeah. not gonna work with someone. Like, if Darren says something, I'm gonna work with Darren on it. I'm not gonna work with anyone else. So like, you gotta build, mm. it's a relationship. You know, it's like, yeah, you, gotta get, you gotta get those people before they rock stars, right? Yeah. That's yeah, so no, good. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, no, we yeah, and and that's in the Raleigh area. We know one of the 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 ways to pour back into that is that you know speaking at different code school graduates and 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 starting those those opportunities for just introductions. So I've been giving giving away services basically free for junior developers. Hey, these are the these are the five that we've vetted that our engineering team has already gone through. That if we had a headcount, we would invest in these five. And then we just give that list to clients of like, Hey, here's, here's five that I think that are, you're going to be your rising stars. If you have someone that will take the time to mentor them. And I think that, that pouring that back into your community, to your point, just taking that time, not being lazy, you know, you're, you're the payoff is going to be later. It's really, it's just an investment, right? You're investing in having long-term talent with some great people and having yeah. that long. Cause you know, this is how a company looks at it, right? Uh, the first year of a developer is, lost right so you're onboarding you're teaching them your systems you're learning stuff you know like the first half of the year even if they put something in the first day or two you know you're not really gonna get that investment on a development hire until you're two and then like so you have to hope that the first year that you're investing and pouring into this person yeah. is worth it right but if you were to take more risk and more chances like and when i say that when i invest in them don't do it the right way right don't pay them less just because they don't have everything like like you know a developer job is life-changing so like especially some of these kids are coming out 35 forty thousand dollars a year maybe or 25 or no money at all to making the type of salaries of like 70, 80,000, like, oh, snap. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when I went, when I made my first, my first $50,000 job, I was like, oh, shit, I made it. Now I'm like, oh, <laughs> you, you were poor then. Like, wow. <laughs> I would say one of the, I would say one of the other things that, that I've noticed too, just having been in this business for like eight, eight and a half years now is, you know, it's got to be a, a cultural desire. It's got to be everybody on the same page, right? Like, I get why a mid-level manager that has a bunch of deliverables due in six months or nine months doesn't want to take on a junior developer because if they can't 
finish that project in six months or nine months or whatever it might be, then they potentially might lose their job, right? So like, it's got to be a cultural desire where, you know, you understand that you're bringing people on to train them and want them to be bigger, you know, parts of your, your yeah. company moving forward, but you need to invest that time, you know, money, effort, and energy in them. And, you know, not a lot of companies do that. It's funny, you know, I see a lot of CEOs and a lot of VPs of HR talk about wanting to invest in colleges and code schools and stuff like that, you know, here in Tampa. And then we work with them and all they want is, you know, mid and senior level developers that have, yeah. you know, five to seven years of experience or 10 years or, or, or whatever, you know, because the middle managers are the ones that say, Hey, if, if I don't get this project done, my ass is on the line, right? It's, it's, you know, you, you can talk about platitudes from a CIO or a CTO, but it's still, you know, there's organizational buy-in across the board where somebody's not going to get penalized or yeah. unless you have a, a plan for that person that's a junior developer to come in and, you know, not slow down your organization, you're going to have this, you know, tug and pull. And it's just, it's so unfortunate. I feel terrible for people trying to, you know, break into this business. Yeah. And, and I think, I, I, you know, Jerome, I've been talking to Kyle Welch, right? I mean, Kyle and I've talked a ton about, hey, listen, like, how can we partner, you know, even for a bit, Veka was kind of getting into the managed services play, we were talking about sort of offshoring everything, let's bring it, keep it here, and let's leverage NSS, right, or leverage organizations like yourself, because I think there is such, uh, there, there's such an opportunity to leverage your local market, um, especially from a junior dev perspective, but I think, I think you're right, man, I think companies are lazy, the entire training and leadership of companies, like, that's not a thing. Like, I feel like companies don't invest in leaders, right? I mean, we, you know, we, you know, we can really go down a rabbit hole if we need to, but I think an actual like leadership training companies valuing leaders, it just doesn't happen right now. It just yeah. doesn't. Some of the, some of the top, top ones do like, I mean, right, right now, right. That's kind of the role that you're in right now, right? Jerome is that is to help train your existing teams at Quicken, right? Is if, if I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, there's. But between teams and spots online and people in the middle, oh yeah, like, you know, especially when you think of Nashville, right? Well, who are the real big players when it comes to tech? Like tech first, not their industry first, but tech first. You have what Eventbrite and who else? Exactly. So everybody else, tech and like building and cultivating tech is, you know. Is that even in the era of COVID, it's a second class citizen, right? So, like, until people start recognizing that, you know, tech is your biggest investment and people that are building your shit is like part of that, and you have to start doing the thing that's going to cultivate from your leaders and your seniors to the ground up, like, mm -hmm. we're going to continue to have these problems. But my team's running a digital transformation right now for a company that was not a tech first company. They were as successful as they could be with basically to your point, putting tech kind of in the corner. Hey, you're, you're our IT help desk stuff. Right. But you know, but they produced millions of dollars as a, as a medical insurance company, a locally owned one. And now just in the last year, they've been like, all right, what could we have done if we had like data science or if we had automated anything, or if we had, you know, better internal applications that weren't 15 years old. And if we had empowered people to migrate to cloud and now they're spending the next, you know, three years doing that. And, and they, not that they're doing it, they were trying to keep them there on purpose. Right. But it was more along the lines of, we just didn't know until a new tech leader came into their organization was like, well, actually I need to be kind of up here as peers with everyone so that way we can bring the whole team up. And now they're, they're 
you know, just in the last eight months, they've done an insane amount more growth just from automating different pieces. And that's that probably not how, that's probably not how that conversation went. Uh, that conversation, like when a new tech leader came in, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, his internal conversation is totally yeah. different. Like, oh, yeah. well, I mean, no, are I these, think... are these data centers over here? Y'all not using AWS? Like, oh my God, is this a <laughs> Microsoft machine? Like, is I don't even like, I'm like, oh no, what is, what am I in? Like, I feel like I should quit right now. Well, but, I mean, I think Jerome, you bring up, you know, a really good point, Jake, you know, you do too. It's gotta be a culture that buys into it, right? It's gotta be where you're not just judging, you know, managers and people that are making hiring decisions on, you know, did this part of the project get complete on time when you're trying to do resource allocation, right? Cause you've got to be able to think bigger, right? Like if you're a company that wants to buy into, you know, developing people, you've got to buy in past these like six month or six month, nine month and 12 month, like, you know, benchmarks that if you don't hit them, then you're, you're fired or you're let go or you're, you're dinged on your bonus, right? Like invest yeah, in those people. OKRs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so sad to hear. And I, and I hate to, you know, cause I talk to managers all the time. Or make people investing in people part of the OKRs tie the investment of people into the money. Oh, right, absolutely. That's, like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's thinking right there. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, so let's, so I want to dig in Jerome on Vetsu code, right? I mean, I, again, I think, you know, definitely want to highlight this. So talk me through uh, right now, kind of what a curriculum looks like, like, you know, um, how do you, uh, like, I guess, what are your networks right now in regards to, you know, can't like, how do you get people into your program? Also, how can we help? Right. Cause I think the biggest thing that we want to do is Jake's got a connection in Raleigh, obviously my network in Nashville, and then Dan's got a huge connection in Tampa as well. So I guess give us a rundown first off about Vetsu Code, kind of the curriculum, and then how we can help. Raj, all right. So Vetsu Code's curriculum is Jamstack focused. So it's all around the JavaScript ecosystem, but it's like JavaScript markup APIs. Uh, because what we're seeing in our, I mean, you're, you guys are seeing it as well. What you're seeing in the uh, market is people are moving more towards serverless technologies. Say the AWSs uh, of the of the world is like eating eating shit up, right? So you need to be able to understand how to what what a, what is an API, how to use the API, and how to do that fast and well. Like how to basically manipulate that data. So that's what we, our primary focus is learning JavaScript, learning how to use APIs. That's what we focus on. Uh, HTML, CSS, JavaScript, uh, React, GraphQL, AWS and Lambda functions, and uh, a little bit of Node are the technologies. Oh, Gatsby as well. Those are technologies we use, but the skills we teach, we teach Kanban, we teach Git, Kanban, uh, front-end development, web accessibility, design systems, uh, computer science. We actually have like four weeks dedicated to just computer science uh, protocols. And uh, like how to work and move on a product-focused team. Like that's what we teach. And, awesome. and do you yeah. do all that? Oh, no. I have a, I have a team now. Like, that's awesome. That, that is, that's, uh, man, teaching just different – just to how to solve the problems alone and just like even the tools around that. Like you, you mentioned Kanban you know, it was, we get some of these code schools that come out, you know, and not saying that you are a code school in that, but we have some come out and they don't teach them how to work with a team. So they might learn like all this computer science stuff, but they can't solve a problem or know where to research or how to 
even just receive work or, or give off work. That's, that's well, that's that was very, that's like one of the first things we teach them. And we're very, it's very important to me because yeah. I see that in code schools. Like, you know, I wanted to shore up every, like, if it was a weakness in code schools, I want to make sure I didn't have that weakness because like, you know, they have the leverage that I don't have, which is they're charging everybody $17,000 a troop. I mean, a person and I'm charging them absolutely nothing. Just looking for the people who are willing to do the work, the hard, do the, the you know, our curriculum sounds like, but it's incredibly hard. I, we have wow. people all the time that they're like, yo, like we have people who are um, like, come from for-profit code schools and see our curriculum and they're like, holy shit. So like, we have mentors that do that. I have, matter of fact, I have a mentor right now who he works as a software engineer at Project Jupiter. Like, and they do like a bunch of Python and data science stuff. And he's like, where the hell were you at in 2012? And I'm like, funny story. I was, uh, I was learning how to code in 2012 right along with you. So like we were probably we were both more how to code, but I was just uh, doing this. It's like yo, like this is amazing. So like that is um, and that's what we focus on. And like the hard thing is recruiters they want to create they kind of want us the to create a methodology for them so that they can keep up with our troops. But the thing is, we are so fast and making we are so focused on making our troops like rock stars and really good talent so at minimum they'll be good employees like i can only focus on either like building relationships with the employees or the companies or making uh, my talent so good that they you know can't be ignored so i focus on that part right and like even this current cohort is halfway up hired right and they just graduated this week so no way how yeah, long is the cycle how long? Uh, 14, uh, 14 to 16 weeks uh, varies, but like, you know, one of the things, like whenever I try to build, I have exactly one troop that's in Nashville and he got picked up like within a week before they graduated. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've graded three people from Nashville area and the recruiters just moved too slow. Like um, my favorite one is Jeff Martin, who was in uh, the army base in Clarksville. And by the time he graded and people were actually starting to take looks at him, Microsoft picked him up. And now he's in Seattle working as a DevOps engineer at Microsoft and GitHub. And I'm like, I can't do anything. Like y'all, wow. The big boys are moving faster, so That's I can't, awesome. I mean, and I can't, wow. you know, I'm not going to tell this kid to stay home and, you know, yeah. not take a Microsoft job. Like, yeah. like I, so I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And that was like, you know, and that's the best thing about this gig because like we don't, I don't build talent, right? I don't just do that. I create lives, right? This dude. I love that. Got this job. Uh, the first thing he did he got this awful letter. He threw a party, a going away party the next day. That night he like proposed to his girlfriend, made her his fiance. They're now like on their first year of marriage in Seattle, right? Like that's like you create families. You don't like that. And that's the best part of this gig. Like uh, I don't like I it looks so small, like, oh, you teach people how to code. But then like when you look at the impact it has on the veteran, like Yo, these people are putting food on the table for their kids. They're taking sending their kids to school. Or uh, I have a veteran, uh, Andrew James. He was in Finland. Uh, met the he he did a contract uh, to, to teach something in Finland. I don't even remember, but he met the love of his life in Finland. 
married her, stayed. And as a like, and he was there for five years, but he needed to come back to America because his family, his mom and dad were older and they had problems and things like that. So he needed to come back to America with enough money to be able to provide for him and his wife and be able to like, still be close to his family. So we trained him up to start in, De in December. By the next December, we had him not only move back to America, but we had him starting his first, like, no, July, but from December to July, we had him uh, start back, uh, uh, trained up in America. And by July, he was starting at Verizon in Houston, Texas. Like, these are like the type of stories that you have with Vetsuko, like, you know, people who, you know, they're, and I, and I like that because they have that push and I can deal with people who have like a real push, like some real motivation beyond money. Like, uh, and that's the best thing about veterans, right? You know, their motivation is usually beyond like, they, they want to like, you know, take care of themselves and others. Like, yeah, I said like, you know, I didn't want to be like living on the streets in the middle of a recession. And yeah, and I put that idea of like, all the cool shit I did like in the military, not mattering now that the uniform was off of me like that bothered me like it put a chip on my shoulder and it, and i kept that chip on my shoulder and that's like every day i bring you know that's why everybody's like dude you're like the hardest working most you know like most busy guy on earth and i'm like because i remember the days when uh, you know civilians were telling me thank you for your service but you know there's no job for you here so um you know i i, I am i burn with glorious purpose right so that's heavy man yeah, yeah. Hey, Jerome, are you finding people that, you know, go through your program, have military experience, have like good soft skills, or is that part of your, your teaching, how to describe what they know? And I know you mentioned working with teams, but, you know, what are you doing, you know, in that regard of, you know, communication? Of, of what well, see, that's know? the thing, like, people don't understand how good communicators are, like, military veterans are, because the, you guys are going off on, like, some antiquated thing about veterans, like, especially in this troops just doing what they're told. I know they're great communicators because we're in a career field where if you don't communicate, you die, right? right. That, that is the mm -hmm. world we come from. We come from the world of, guess what? If you don't say contact left, people on the left side of you are going to get shot. So we have yeah. to, you know, we over communicate. Um, we've wow. like document, uh, you guys think you've seen like dry documentation. Uh, let me tell you, you guys cannot be any military SOPs, like they're the driest documentation you can ever read. And <laughs> veterans have the discipline to read that shit, right? <laughs> Same way, like death by PowerPoint, like we invented death by PowerPoint, right? So like, that's like the world we're coming from. And like, you know, everything from like stand-ups, you guys have stand-ups. We have that when we're doing fire teams. Like we're out in the field or we're doing working That's in the so fire cool. team. Like we do, like you know, we know that we, if you're static for more than thirty, for more than one minute, take a knee. If you're static for more than two minutes, get prone. And many you're prone, it's like a slick stand-up. You're like, you know, are you good on water? Are you good on food? Are you good on gear? On ammo? Green, red, uh, yellow. Like we do all of this stuff that you know people just assume that we, like, we don't do, like, you know, I don't understand why people think that, like, military people, like, communicate through, like, telepathy, osmosis, first and foremost, and I had, like, telepathy, <laughs> I don't know, I do work in software, yeah. and, uh, like, so, like, that's just, the soft skills are already there, it's just, it's more of the cultural skills that kind of get there, like, in, you know, in the military, 
you know, we're, people think that we're too serious, but I'm like, we're not too serious. The job required, well, the job is life and death. Like, we're not too serious. Like, so that's, the, like that's the yeah. weirdest thing I've heard. Oh, military people are too serious. That because if they weren't serious, people would die. Like, I don't understand yeah. how you don't get that. That's so uh, good. Like uh, people, people uh, feeling, feeling uh, like they should uh, be a little bit more disciplined themselves too, feeling, you know? Yeah. It's that reverse, it's that, it's that reverse skill yeah. where my job is to make you come down to my level versus right, right. raise to yours. Yeah, like, no, yeah. be less, no, you need to be less serious because you're making me look like a piece of shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> do that less. Can you make me look less garbage? Please, thank you. Kick things by. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but yeah, like, that's just veterans for you, man. We're serious because the job requires seriousness. And like, I intentionally try to be more laid back because I know that, you know, people don't want that serious side of it. But when I'm with my troops, like I button it all the way up and I'm like, and that's one of the things with like, why Vets Who Code kicks ass and takes names of like, it was so many few less, so few resources compared to like big code schools and stuff. Like we outlasted code schools that are, like they were for profit because it's a hundred percent remote, veteran led and founded. Like, you know, our education team, everybody on the EDU team came through Vets Who Code. I taught them how to code. They ended up getting their first job from Vets Who Code and they were in their job for a year. Right? Yeah. So everybody's now teaching the veterans. They know every level of the veterans' first years of experience, first two years yeah. of experience. They know how it is to come out of the military. They know how it is to learn how to code. They know how mm -hmm. it is learning how to like go in the process of getting your first job. They know how it is the process of getting your first, um, going, being at your first job for a year. Right? So that's my thing. I want to answer every question that you have, like as most possible. I want to make sure that everybody has that on the ground, boots on the ground experience that you may not like have, um, like explicitly like narrow down to you. It's a very narrow niche, but it's very much uh, from the ideals of like, you know, I, you know, leaders eat last and lead first, right? I'm coming. I'm yeah. The first person to do some shit, but I'm also making sure that I'm the last person that gets like gets anything because I, I want to take that. care of uh, care, take care of my people, right? So, so, so Jerome, so so people who are still listening about half half an hour through, those of you who are, thank you very much. Um, everyone's like, man, I'm not a vet, but I want to be associated with your program, right? <laughs> so my first question is: is can junior can aspiring junior devs who aren't a veteran be a part? Um, and, and, and if not, how can people get involved, um, with your organization? Right. Unfortunately, no, uh, aspiring junior devs can't like the one thing we like for our mentor program, you have to have a year's worth of production level JavaScript experience to be a mentor at Betsuko. Um, but there are other ways. I mean, you can follow us on Twitter, like, and I'm always sharing resources and stuff on Twitter. I mean, you've seen me, I'm really active on Twitter and I'm really big about helping people on Twitter. Yeah. The things I'm fire about is everything front end DevOps, right? So all the stuff front end developer, and then all the stuff that like you know continuous integration and you know fixing your pipeline and things like that. So all the UX stuff, and you know, and I'm and I love free shit. So I'm always making sure that <laughs> I share. Like I always make sure I share the like premium, like the best free thing out there because like I'm I come from a. a background like I didn't have all the money to buy the best resources so if I like why would I like oh no let's talk about front-end masters stuff. Like, I'm working 
a deal right now where I got I'm getting my first front end masters uh, video uh, workshop right cool. and it's gonna be on how to get your first front end job and because of COVID I'm gonna work with them I'm like yo can we do this free can we put it as part of your boot camp put it free right because mm -hmm. like this is a big deal because nobody has the level of experience right nobody personally trained and led 252 people like everybody else has an engine behind a huge marketing machine or something behind them i'm the only person in the game that doesn't have a huge marketing engine machine behind them i'm not a general assembly i'm not a hack reactor i'm not a fancy college like and i have 252 right so yeah. like we're i'm very excited about that and trying to make it free because like you know this is gonna be a game changer i'm gonna, I'm gonna share people like some of my favorite secrets, like, you know, products over projects, right? Like my biggest thing, like stop with your dumb ass, like uh, JavaScript calculators. Like that's cool for you to learn JavaScript. Don't fucking put it on your portfolio. You need a product. <laughs> and like, and yeah. I try to tell them, like, think about it. If Facebook is free and Twitter is free and they value you enough to not charge you from it, they value all the data and all the weird shit about you to not charge you enough, then you are in fact a product. So maybe look at yourself from the point of view of facebook and build based upon that right I love so that. like and I, and I break it down for my like yeah i break it down for my troops and like to make sure that they uh they know how to do things in that like that manner right so i'm like like i said i'm very excited for this i'm hoping that i can get him come on board with it but either way like the notes will probably be open source but things like this like i just want i want to help people anyway i can so follow me on twitter and ask questions like i love that being asked questions like people ask uh, i get asked questions all day like mostly so love that that's <laughs> yeah. awesome man that's awesome so so jerome we always finish our podcast episode with one uh fun question um and so you kind of already hinted at this and so this is going to be the question for all of us to answer who is the most famous person you've ever met and so, um, so, so that's going to be the question. Who is the most Ooh. famous person you ever met? Um, I will go first because I've been thinking about this for the last uh, seven minutes. So um, back in high school, I was in the drum line and we had to raise a bunch of canned items and the high school in the area who raised the most poundage of canned food items would play one song on stage with Shania Twain. And uh, my high school won, my drumline won. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. And Can I, I feel like a woman. Yeah. And I played uh, on stage with Shania Twain. And uh, I got lost, fun little story. I, I, I got lost on stage. I didn't realize I had to like leave at a certain point. And so the rest of the drumline was off stage. And uh, I was still on stage with Shania, just me. I bowed, all 18,000 people erupted, and I left by myself. <laughs> so that is my claim to fame. Um, Dan, you're next. I've been very, very fortunate to meet a lot of very famous people in my life. Um, <laughs> just been around. Uh, no, and I, I don't mean that. Yeah, like, I've just, like, you know, like I worked at the football recruiting office at UF for four years. So a lot of them have become famous. Like Tim Tebow was in my apartment one time. Like, you know, and I got to intern on Capitol Hill. So I got to meet Barack Obama. I got to meet George Bush. Um, so I don't know. 
if I have one, I mean, meeting Barack Obama is really, really cool. Um, he was running for uh, president at the time. He was still a senator, and I was waiting for the elevator, and he was getting off said elevator. Um, we ran into each other, wow. um, literally uh, ran into each other. His um, um, uh, private security guard was like right behind him. This was like as he was like just coming up the ranks and, you know, about to secure the Democratic nomination. So um, did get to uh, to meet Barack Obama. But I also this isn't a fair question because I, I literally try to chase where famous people are to run into them. That's just the type of person I am. <laughs> so you're a stalker. Yeah, yeah no, so you're a stalker. no, 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 not, not a stalker. But like, I like to hang I like to hang out at places that famous people hang out. Um, I don't know That's why it's so kind of weird, but you know, well, we, we started to peel back the onion a little bit on past episodes. There's a little bit of FOMO, right? So, so I think, I think maybe that may be it, Dan. I think yeah. there's just this, you, you want to be. Yeah. In I end want to be around where other people think cool things is, you know, but I'll be honest with you. And, and this is my end. Like a lot of famous people are really weird, right? Like they're not like normal. Like a lot of people think that, Oh, like just cause you're a celebrity, you're super cool. Like when in reality, like you're probably not right. Like, you think a lot of them that like are like the best in their fields at music or, you know, acting, whatever it is like, They're weird. Uh, they, They're boring. they, they, they yeah. are because they have to sacrifice so many other things that like we take for granted, like socializing relate. with people, like going out to eat at restaurants, like rest in peace, like all of those things that like <laughs> we would do growing up, good, like they weren't able to do. So that, that's my answer. Thanks for listening to my Ted talk. Jerome, <laughs> you're next big dog. Uh, yo, like, uh, dang, I was trying to figure it out actually. Cause I've, I met Barack, uh, met, uh, George Bush, uh, Jr. You uh, and Dan were both on the elevator together. <laughs> yeah. My, and I was like, yo, like, yo, we, I, I met, I met, uh, W at, uh, in South Korea actually. Dang. Uh, yeah. So I met him in South Korea when I was in the military and I met, then I met Barack six years later. Um, Mark Zuck, I've met Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, so I think that's pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, Jack back then was cooler. Now he's like some weird meditating Billy Goat from Tech. <laughs> weird. I'm gonna clip <laughs> that, and that's gonna be Jerome's like thing for this podcast. <laughs> like, hey, welcome Jack. Jerome. Meditating Jack Dorsey is a Billy Goat. Yeah, weird meditating Billy Goat. He was a weird, like, yo, like... He is weird. He goes on, like, 18-day, like, silent treatments. Like, Mark Zuckerberg used to be cool, but now he's turning to Lex Luthor, and, like... Jerovin, this Jack is Dorsey was, like, cool. Like, when I met him, he was cool, but now he's like, oh, I eat one meal a day, and I work out seven minutes every day, and, like, I, I walk five miles to work. I was like... I, you know, this is my holistic thing. Like, you know, I, I'm of the, I am of the thought that a billion dollars drives you crazy, right? Like these cats have so much money that they are completely like, so like off of the grid of reality. Like y'all, yeah. they're like wild, wild. Like I just don't get it. Like, you know, it plus like, it's so weird. Like, you had all that money and you still starving yourself? Like, what's going on? Like, are, are you, like, no, nah, like, I'm gonna have, have my own barbecue fest. Let me tell you how I get a million dollars. I'm gonna have a barbecue fest. Yeah, no. like, I'm gonna have a McDonald's in my backyard. I'm gonna put Afropunk, whatever, big yeah. barbecue fest together. Yeah. Like, Please invite me, that sounds great. Lit, yeah, right? dude. 
I'm like, yo. Unicorn gonna, Finders will sponsor it. Yes, I'm going to have Beyonce on the center stage. Like, I'm going to have, like, Tupac's hologram there. Like, I'm, I'm bringing <laughs> that shit back, right? So, I'm like, it's going to be like Coachella all over again. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jake, finish it out, man. That's Who's your bit. famous person? Uh, so, my, my fam is Hollywood-based people um so oh boy here we go run into a whole bunch of people my favorite claim to fame which i wish i remembered it more because i was so young was robin williams so we were on a couple times actually um one was at a resort and he and his girlfriend wife or whatever we were just like all playing in the pool i was like five or six um and then the the next was similarly similar year um we were on the set of hook when he was doing hook which is a great flick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I thought Shania Twain was gonna be a big hitter, but it's really not. So now I feel very insecure. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hide in a hole, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely lost. Well, Jerome, man, thanks for joining us, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, I, I think we definitely want to try to follow up with all of our guests um, after a bit, just to see some, you know, some good things you're still accomplishing, and 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 obviously want to check in and make sure you're still crushing it, like I know you're gonna be. So, <laughs> um, thank you again for being on, man. We really, really appreciate it. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Unicorn Finders. If you found any of that interesting or helpful at all, please share it with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or want to be a part of our podcast, be sure to email us at info at theunicornfinders.com. And while you're at it, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe us five stars and share it with a friend or two. We'll see you next week.